like last week, Jesus is speaking to his disciples a lot about abiding, and he's speaking a lot about love. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Abide and love, two two terms woven together to give us a beautiful image of what sits at the very center of God's relationship with humanity. And with that said, because abide and and love are used so much here, it seems fitting to me that we spend at least a little time diving into their meaning, especially that word abide. It's not a word that we tend to use very often in our ordinary and everyday ways of speaking with one another. We're much more apt to use the words to, uh, the word to, to remain or to stay. And as such, it's worth recognizing that abide and love are not just used here, not just used here in this passage, but instead are playing a central place in John's gospel. For instance, at the beginning of the gospel, when when the first disciples approach Jesus and Jesus asks them what they are looking for, these disciples ask Jesus, where are you staying? They want to be where Jesus is. They want to be with him. They want to stay with him. They want to abide with him. Throughout the gospel and in John's letters, this this Greek word for abide or remain or stay is used 63 times. What emerges from this usage of abide is a picture that is not so much about staying in a place, but rather being with and dwelling with another. Or even more than being with is a sense of of being in. For John's gospel, to abide means to, to dwell in another. It is about a mutual indwelling, Christ in us, and us in Christ, and Christ in the one who Jesus calls Abba and Father. Abiding means staying with Jesus, with making our home in him, and letting him make his home in us. And in this way, abiding is about a friendship a deep and lasting and permanent friendship where each friend comes to dwell with and in the life of the other. And as we've seen, this friendship is grounded in love. We're told earlier in the gospel that God so loved the world that God 
gives God's Son for us. It's, it's almost a mission statement of this gospel. And as I said last week, we were created by love for love. We were created so that we might share in and participate in the outworking of love that is the divine life. If you were to ask then how we go about making our home in Jesus and and how we let Jesus make his home in us, then this gospel is pretty straightforward, isn't it? It simply tells us to obey Christ's commandment. And what, you might ask, is Christ's commandment? Well, this gospel answers that as well. We are to love one another as Christ loves us. There is no mystery here. There is no elaborate ten-step plan to better living. This is really as simple as can be, right? Love one another as Christ loves us. Boom. Simple. I could just go and sit down, right? <laughs> or maybe, maybe not, right? Because it's, it doesn't appear to be straightforward or simple at all. For it's been 2,000 years since Christ gave us this new commandment that we might love one another as he loves us. And yet we seem to drop the ball over and over again. And it's not just Christians, right? Some, some variant of this call to, to love, to have compassion for, or to care for our fellow human beings has a place in, in most major religions, and ethical systems on our globe. And yet we all seem to fail more often than not. And I wonder if this failure to love isn't, at its core, a problem about belief. Or maybe it would be better to say trust. For it seems to me that the good news that we are loved by our Creator unfailingly and unconditionally, and that therefore we should love others in turn, is news that that must be revealed to us. This news of God's love is not something that we can fully discover in nature or in reason or in experience alone. It is, it is something that God must give to us, a gift we are free to either accept and trust in or reject. And if this is so, then the tragedy of the human condition is that we never quite fully trust in this good news of God's love for us. We never seem to to fully accept the gift. I would contend that even the most ardent believer doesn't fully and completely ever trust 
that God's love is, is gracious and undeserved. We all hold back to a greater or to a lesser extent. And because we never quite fully trust and believe that we are loved by God, we struggle to love others. Even the best of us remains in some, in some sense an unconverted doubter who finds it impossible to believe in the power of love. We treat, or too often treat, the news that we are loved by God like we should treat emails from, from Nigerian princes promising us great riches. We treat the news that we are loved like we should treat news and advertising that tells us that Nutella is a health food, right? <laughs> we treat the news of God's love as news that is too good to be true. We mistrust the news. We might even say that it's fake news. And when we don't trust in this news, we will inevitably wall ourselves off to protect ourselves because, in part, we are afraid. We are afraid of getting hurt or of missing out on security or, or comfort or wholeness, what we think will give us wholeness. We are afraid that we are not loved and not lovable. And in that fear, we project onto others that they are not lovable, that they are not worthy of love. Far too often, we do not trust that we are loved, and as such, we do not love in kind. And yet, and yet sometimes, by God's grace, love breaks through our walls. Sometimes, God's light shines in our hearts, and God's love opens our eyes. Sometimes, we abide with Christ, and we allow Christ to abide in us. Sometimes we love others as Christ loved us, maybe if only just a little. When we allow love to rule our hearts and rule our lives, then, then this is the faith that conquers the world. When we, when we let love in, then this is the faith that, that conquers the world of hatred and enmity. This is the faith that is a victory that enables us to see that each and every person is beloved by God and of equal value in God's eyes. This is, is the faith that embraces the joy that Jesus longs to give us so that our joy might be complete and whole as we share love one to another. 
For when we step out in faith and abide in God's love, then, then we will know Christ's joy in our hearts. And the more we embrace God's love, the more we will know joy. Our true joy is when God's grace breaks through our mistrust and enables us, if even just tentatively, to believe in the good news that God loves us and that we might share that love with others. And when we believe this, when we believe this, then it is a victory over brokenness and estrangement. It is a victory over alienation. It is a victory even over death. When we believe, when we come to, to trust, when we come to dwell in Christ and allow Christ to dwell in us, then we will know joy. Then we will be able to share that love with others. When we trust, we can maybe, just maybe, love others as Christ loved us. And when we do so, when we do so, we are participating in that victory, in God's victory, where we will all be made one in God's love. Amen.